Hello, welcome to Sound Waves, the podcast of the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust. From all of us here at the Trust, we hope you're doing well. My name is Scott, and this week I had a conversation with Sue and Annie about survivor's guilt. Sue is a Teenage Cancer Trust consultant nurse and dear friend of the Trust, and Annie is a young person who's been on three Trust trips from 2017 to 2019. Together, they deliver talks and presentations about survivor's guilt, and they will be in conversation with the Trust the evening this podcast goes out at 6pm on Monday the 21st of September, so do check our social media and register for their session if what you're about to hear is something that resonates. But recording this conversation is also so that those who can't make it along this evening still get to hear what Sue and Annie are working together on. As you'll hear, survivor's guilt is something that isn't spoken about enough particularly in young people who have recovered from cancer, who have friends who passed away. Those feelings are difficult and conflicting, as Annie explains in such detail, and I'm sure one of the best things we can all do is listen in and try to understand those feelings so no one goes through it alone. So I hope you find this conversation as illuminating and actually very helpful as I did. Here it is. Sue and Annie, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I think it'd be a good idea, Sue, if you could just give an outline of what survivor's guilt actually is. Yes, yeah, of course. Um, thank you for having us on here. Um, so, so survivor guilt is when somebody survives something really um, life-changing um, and other people don't, so that then when they, they survive and others don't, then they sometimes feel guilty about that other person surviving. Um, They saw it a lot after the war um, and they saw it a lot after with the Holocaust survivors as well. So with with young cancer patients in particular the people that we work with we know that we we have these lovely units and we do all this peer group support and we get all of these young people together but we know that one of the things that happens when they're all together inevitably is that one young person will die. And I know that a lot of young people meet other young people who have died and they have lived and they might have had exactly the same disease, the same treatment. One of them dies, the other one survives. And sometimes there's that wondering, why on earth have I survived? What, what was wrong? What was different with me that I have, have survived that? And they can go on and they, can, they try to justify their existence and why they live and someone else didn't live and almost feel guilty for living when that person has died. There was all the guilt associated with that, with survival. So when you are talking to someone about survivor guilt, maybe it's one to one or you're giving a talk about it, what is the intention? What do you hope people feel when they hear you talk about it? I hope they understand that it can happen, not just to cancer patients, but you know, to, to anyone in the audience might might have, have um, felt some survivor guilt at some stage, somehow, I mean, we, we don't know. But it's about people understanding that it exists, that it's okay to talk about it, um, and Annie will talk to us about that, it's okay to talk about it, it's okay to feel sad, it's okay to feel guilty, um, and that there are ways of coping with it, and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel that will get better with help. Annie, how did you come to meet Sue and team up with her in this way? So I met her a couple of times while I was on the teenage cancer unit. And then I went and did a speech at FISA about friends and the changes in friendship. And that's when I started speaking to her more. And then 
can't really remember when, but I received an email asking if I was happy to come and do one talk and I thought it was like a one-off and then it just kind of barreled and I ended up doing talks to like nurses, consultants, doctors. So it's just kind of gone from there and now we just... Yes. We're a well-known double act now, aren't we? So Annie, what has your experience of survivor guilt been like? So when I was diagnosed, I didn't know it was a thing. And for quite a while, because I speak to a lot of people, inevitably I've lost a lot of people. So I think at the moment I've lost 14 people that I know. And when it first started happening, probably the, for the first three or four, I didn't even know it existed. So I had this feeling of like, why am I alive when they've died? And I felt guilty because of that but then I had the added guilt that I was like no one else is feeling like this I'm being so silly this is so selfish so I struggled with that and then one day I spoke to someone from the teenage cancer unit and they said to me actually a lot of people have felt like this this isn't just you and that helped me so much because I had this survivor's guilt and I already felt bad enough for surviving and then I had this added pressure of like you shouldn't feel like this and the height of it was when I lost one of my closest friends um, and he had exactly the same as me. Uh, and I remember when the morning I found out, I just kept thinking like, that should have been me. Like he had so much more to live for and I don't deserve to be here. He deserves to be here more than me. And it, it's just, I can't explain it to anyone that hasn't felt it, but it's like this crushing feeling that, you don't deserve to be alive and it feels very selfish when you say it because then people are like oh you should be happy you survived but it's it's harder than that so what do you end up doing with those feelings so like at first when i didn't know anyone else feeling like it i kept them all pent up it was really hard for me over time because of how many people i've come to lose i do have coping mechanisms and a lot of it is just i'll just joke and play it off um, but I also have the ability to like open up and talk about it when I'm really struggling, which I didn't have at first. And talking about it has really helped because I am one of those people that tends to keep everything in and just joke about it. But I do know that there are people there to support me when I do need that extra bit of support. And I think, I think you've found, Annie, haven't you, that, that doing the talks with me has sort of helped you as well, has not sort of unravel it and to, um, uh, and to make some sense of it in, in, in your own head. Yeah, because I think for a long time I was like, oh, I can't speak about this. People won't understand. And then when I've actually gone and talked to nurses who obviously, they might see it from a different point of view. But when I've explained it, they're actually like, that makes a lot of sense. And speaking about it has really lifted a burden. I find that speaking about things really does help. And some people are different and there's different coping strategies. Some people would rather just speak to like a parent. But for me, that's, it's been life-changing it's really really helped you talked about making like using humor to cope with it as well i think a few folk have said on trust trips that everyone on the trip has a sort of dark sense of humor and i wonder if that is part of it i think that does really help and that's one of the reasons why you're on treatment and um, especially you have a closer bond with everyone because the jokes that you make to your friends going through the same thing if you said that to like a normal friend, some of them would be like, whoa, that's way too far. But it is, it is really nice to have people having that same sense of humour and knowing, you, you obviously know a line, but it really helps because it lightens the mood in a quite dark situation.
Mm. I think fine staff have it as well. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes we, when, once we've judged that, not judged, but got to understand that young person, we might share that black humour, but um, mm. it's not for everyone, is it? No, I think some, like some people I've met, they would, like, I kind of know not to go there. But most of my closest friends have exactly the same. And some of the things we say in a normal situation just would be really mm. weird. But. And what kind of response do you get when you talk to other people about survivor guilt? Is it a light bulb moment for them? I think a lot of people in like nursing environments and stuff like that, they do understand it. There are a few people that kind of look at you and they you can tell they're thinking like, oh yeah, but you survived. But most people, when you explain it, they're like, actually, that does make sense. And even when I've like spoken to friends out of out of the loop of like the cancer ward, a lot of them have been like, that must be so hard. So most people, when you like mention it, they do it does click with them, and they're like, actually, this needs to be focused on. I think when we talk to the to the professionals, Annie, they um. There's usually a silence, isn't there? You can all nearly hear a pin drop. They're absolutely invested in what Annie has to say. And you can see when they leave and from the evaluation that they suddenly understand it. And they'll go off and they'll they'll look about it and they'll think about it next time that they meet someone. Not just a young child with cancer, young person with cancer, but if they meet anyone, um, they will understand um, about survivor guilt. And what kind of difference do you think that makes to when nurses are more aware of it than they were previously? I think it makes us more aware of what we need to do when young people in particular finish treatment. Um, we're starting to look more in depth. I know the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust are doing this as well, looking at the end of treatment and supporting young people at the end of treatment. Um, and it's an important thing to know. Um, so now I do end of treatment clinics on Zoom with, with young people. And we talk then about survivor guilt. Do you, you know, do you feel a bit like this? And they say, yes, I do. Almost surprised that, that we've picked up on it and asked them about it. Um, so it's making us more aware about it. It's making us understand it more. The psychologists clearly know about survivor guilt and how to help young people. But I think that, that us on, on the ground floor looking after young people don't, haven't always understood it. But there's much more of an understanding about it now and, and facing it facing it straight away rather than waiting for them to do about it. Well, some people never feel survivor guilt and that's that's great. That's great. But you know, those who do, it's very real, it's it's real grief. It's real grief and then trying to justify why they're still on this earth and people aren't. Do you find it something that people who haven't experienced cancer don't tend to think of and are kind of surprised when you bring it up? I think for me, a lot of people, and it's to do with the end of treatment, they do think if you survive to the end of treatment, oh, your life's back on track, it's amazing. But what they don't realise is if you've lost three or four friends, you've got that grief, but you don't have time to process it before the next one has gone. So it's just this added feeling of like, what do I do, what do I do? And then this survivor's guilt hits in. And at the end of treatment especially, it really hit me because I was like, I'm done and so many of my friends are gone and it was just I don't think people think about it they think the end of treatment is this big celebration and there's so many things that no one speaks about and it's not portrayed in media it's on a cancer film they don't 
mention the end of treatment and survivor's guilt they speak about oh look they did it it's amazing so they're all clear brilliant and you have that added pressure of mm. i need to be happy because otherwise i'm selfish is that a general thing about the end of treatment do people just do you think there's a perception that people see recovery as the medicine part of it but then kind of forget that there there's more to come i think they do and i think we were probably guilty of that several years many years ago um in thinking end treatment off you go live your life and it sounds very flippant but i don't mean it in that way but now we look at it and we know for the young people who are finishing treatment it's not a celebration at all i know a young man who organized an end of treatment party and didn't turn up to it because you don't feel like that at the end of treatment you think okay what's next okay i'm being pushed away from this work this this bubble in the hospital now what do I do? Now I'm a bit scared. Now it could come back. Now it's not being treated, so it might come back. And and then you sit at home and you remember what had happened during that time because you're on a bit of a um, conveyor belt. You, you 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 have to do things at the right time, at the right pace, in the right place, and you get on with all of that. And the industry that stops, and it's time to look back and think, oh my word, what on earth just happened? Um, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of anxiety at the end of treatment. Do you think that, Annie? I think what tends to happen is on treatment, you're so focused on what's the next day, when's my next chemo, and I'm nearly two years out, and I will still now have like little flashbacks where I remember bits on treatment that I've totally forgotten and pushed out my head, and it just brings me down, and that's nearly two years on, and this whole end of treatment thing, with me, I was on maintenance for a year and a half, and I thought, when I finish my maintenance, I'm going to feel amazing. And there were so many side effects that happen when you're withdrawing from chemo that no one speaks about. Mm. I really wanted the end of treatment to be, be it, but it, it really isn't. And it's harder than that. There are psychological things you have to get over that no one really mentions. We kind of talk at the Trust about how there aren't always enough things in place for young people post-treatment to make sure they have the emotional well-being support they need. Is, is that the same with survivor's guilt? Are there more things that could be done so that young people have the space to share their feelings or be made more aware that it's a more common thing than they think? Or, you know, what would help? I think if someone had turned around to me when I first had those feelings and mentioned survivor's guilt, it would have helped me a lot because it was kind of like I was having these feelings, but I didn't think they were normal. And I think they need to be normalised in this environment because they are a normal feeling but when you've got them and no one's speaking about it you kind of do feel like you're shutting on yourself and I think with the end of treatment that there's obviously stuff being done now to make sure that people don't feel alone but I, I think it would help speaking being able to like speak in a group with other people that feel like it just so that you can say this is normal I'm not I'm not being selfish I'm not being crazy this is real I think as professionals, we need to get brave and start to talk about it to young people more. You know, when somebody dies, maybe a few weeks later, maybe broaching the subject with them. As I say, not everybody feels it, but many do. Sorry, Annie. Because I think as well, when someone dies, obviously their name isn't mentioned on the ward because mm. it's going to bring a like big cloud down. Everyone's going to realise that could happen. But I know when my close friends have gone, when I go back on the ward and suddenly no one wants to mention them, if you say their name, it's suddenly like, oh, that's not, let's not do that. It does make you feel like, well, if I was to go, would I just be forgotten? 
So mm. I think it does need to be approached more. Obviously, it's a difficult topic, but it does need to be talked about more. I agree. We need to do that. I think that's interesting as well about the idea that you can actually feel lonely over it because I think people do know you can feel isolated during treatment but don't, probably don't realise that you can still feel isolated after the treatment's finished and what comes next. So yeah, I think that's something that hopefully more people know the more you talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so if someone's listening to this conversation and they are really relating to what's being discussed, they might be feeling this way themselves, what do you want them to know? I think that they should just know like these feelings are okay they're normal like you're not the only one out there and and I'm sure if you have friends on the ward and that if you ask them have you ever felt like this nine times out of ten they have and there's those odd people that have never felt like it and they never had those feelings but nine times out of ten if you just have the courage to speak up you will get the help you need and I'd like to advise them to talk to a member of staff who they feel close to about it, you know, to open up to that. But also for them to know that it, it does get better with time and there are things out there and people out there to help them. So we could, you know, get um, a psychologist to talk to them about it or we could get a peer group to support, to talk to each other about it. You know, there's all sorts of different ways that we can help. But I suppose Annie, I, I quite like to, I'd like to end the chat with, um, we talk to you a lot, don't we? We, we as, as professionals, we bring young people together because that's the right thing to do. We bring them together, they have their treatment, they have a, a good experience, hopefully they have a good experience, they get to know all these people, that peer group support. And then one of the bad effects of putting people together is that somebody will inevitably die. And we put those young people up there to, to face all of that. But when I say to you, Annie, and I've said it to so many other young people, would you rather have not, would you rather have gone on your own through this, this journey on a children's ward or an adult ward so that you weren't with young people? Or would you rather have been with young people? Um, and how does that make you feel? I, I don't regret anyone that I met. The, the memories I've made with them are amazing and I wouldn't take them back just because of the grief that I've felt afterwards because when I'm looking back on those memories yes it's really hard that they're not here but if I'd been going through treatment alone and not had someone to sat with it, sit within the day room and not to make jokes with when we were opposite each other on in hospital beds my experience would have been awful you feel lonely anyway even with these young people surrounding you and it would have been I don't I can't even imagine it if I wasn't surrounded by young people so I don't regret it and I'm happy where I was when I was treated. Please do join me in thanking Sue and Annie for sharing that with us and as always a thank you to you as well for tuning in. If you're listening to this and realising these are thoughts that are sitting with you as well please check out the signposting section of our website where there are links to websites specifically for processing bereavement and mental health support as well. As was talked about, this isn't something anyone should just deal with on their own. There are ways to cope with this part of recovery. So again, Sue and Annie will be in conversation the evening of Monday the 21st of September at 6pm. So sign up if you want to hear more. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care.